0: This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, helping the people of the world to live healthy lives.
1: Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for tuning in again this week. My guest today is Mike Sirocco. He is the CEO of People Building Inc. and a powerhouse behind the What Are You Made Of movement. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Dr. Claudia, I am so happy to be here. And I always start every interview, I go on with gratitude because it's so important to me. I've seen such results in my life when I practice gratitude. And I just want to express that to you. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm actually humbled at the fact that people want to hear my voice in the first place. So it's awesome. So thank you.
1: You know what? It's my pleasure. And I've been following you on social media for a long time. And I really feel very passionate about what you stand for, what you're doing, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you, because I feel like Everybody in the world needs to know what you're doing and everybody in the world needs to know that we can do anything we set our minds to. So because you are a visionary, you're a public speaker, you're an author and you are a leader and you're gonna get things going in this lifetime. I can tell you have so much going on, but I wanted to focus first and foremost on your book, Rocket Fuel, let's talk about that. What is it, how do I get it and um, what's it all about?
0: Yeah, Rocket Fuel Convert Setbacks Become Unstoppable is what it's called. And it's, it's going up, actually, should be on Amazon, hopefully within a week or so. Um, it's, all, it, it's, it's finished on my part. So anyway, uh, this is my first book. I didn't understand the process as I was going through it necessarily. <laughs> so I was kind of being led by some people that knew the process. And, but it's exciting. It's a, it was an emotional grind. But I had to write this book because you know, I grew up around a lot of broken people. Uh, we're all broken in some degrees, le- different levels. But I was in a situation where there was a lot of drug addicts, a lot of alcoholics, um, a lot of jealousy, envy. You know, I came from a broken home. I don't remember my parents together, and I would do the every other weekend thing with my mom and dad. And I would go to my dad's house on the weekends. And you know, my dad was a mason. He had big forearms and rough hands, and I always couldn't wait to go to his house on the, you know every other weekend. Uh, because I just looked up to him, you know, for hard work, he used to carry a wad, a hundred dollar bills in his pocket, which I thought was the coolest thing. And he would always show me and have a rubber band around it and, you know, no, no wallet. Right. So, uh, you know, but I, I, when I turned about eight years old, my mom was getting ready to move on to her third husband. And I was just like, man, I'm not sure if I want to go into another household and learn another man's rules. And, you know, that's as an eight year old kid thinking about this, it, it, it matured me very quickly. mm mm-hmm. But I decided to try my dad's house for full time and he was getting ready to marry his going to a second marriage first after my mom and she seemed nice and everything. So uh, I decided to do that and I broke my mom's heart. Unfortunately, she, she told me one day years later that she would cry herself to sleep at night. And, you know, that hurts obviously to think about, but I lived there for three years in my dad's house and at first it started off fine, but then it quickly got into a situation where there was a lot of conflict between my step-parents, my mom, step-mom, all this stuff. And it seemed like it was coming down on me. I was the only link between my mom and my dad still. And so that's a lot of pressure for a kid. And I'm not telling you this, by the way, to complain, play the victim role by any means whatsoever. I'm just going give to you, give you a little insight into my background so that you can see where the spark came from. Mm-hmm. But uh, so after three years of doing this, I was coming home from my mom's house one weekend after you know, visiting for every, every other weekend visitation. And my stomach was just in knots. I just, anxiety was getting to me. And I never shared with my mom what was going on. And she, she, she read me pretty well. She knew something was up and she said, you know what, you get, you, something's bothering, you wanna share it with me. And I, I, I told her. Now, when you're going through abuse, it wasn't physical abuse, it was mental, psychological threats. I used to sleep with a baseball bat when I was little, eight, nine years old. When you're going through that, you don't wanna share that a lot of times. One, you might be embarrassed, maybe. Uh, you, you're concerned, actually, this is so weird, but you, you're concerned with the abuser and what would happen to them if you told on them. And the other thing is, you're not sure if people are gonna believe you. Right. So I did finally share that with my mom. And she said, you know, that's not ordinary. You know, see, I, I thought I was in an ordinary situation. I thought everybody goes through this stuff. I thought it was, you know, I didn't know any different. She said, no, you, you don't need to do that. I'm going to get you out of that situation. But you need to be committed to doing this. And you cannot flip flop. You have to stick to your guns. And, you know, because if I go to the courts and everything, there's a lot involved. Mm-hmm. Said, okay, I'm, I'm in. Now, when I made that commitment to her, I had to stick with it. But my heart just started, there was a lot of turmoil started happening. And then over the next few weeks, I didn't know when those court papers were coming. I didn't say anything to my dad. I just bided my time. And I came home from school one day and he had those papers in his hand. And you could cut the tension with a knife, and it was so thick. And you know, my heart sunk. And I he told me to go to my room. And remember, my dad was my hero, man. I didn't want to disappoint him. You know, it was the kind of thing, by the way, it was so much conflict in that house that they would be fighting a lot of times. And there was threats and this and that. And I'd be in the other room and just like wow, man, like I need to figure out a way to protect myself. And my dad, if I was in the room, he would always wink, give me a thumbs up when my stepmom wasn't looking. Everything's going to be okay kind of thing. And so, you know, I had no idea what was going to happen next. So I went in my room, I sat on my bed, waited for him to come back and confront me and what she did. And he said, you know, your mom doesn't have it that well. She doesn't have any money. She's married her third husband. Like, you really want to go move into that situation when you have everything you need here? And I didn't get into discussion with him. I stuck to my guns. I said, yes, I made my decision. He said, okay, well, that's the case. And he takes the wad $100 bills out. Peels one off, crumples it up and threw it at me and said, you're going to need this then when you're living on the streets with your mother one day and walked out. I said, okay. I was thinking to myself like, this is just, this is crazy. Like my hero just gave up on me. Now, what do I have left? But also pretty much immediately after that, my stubbornness kicked in. You know, I'm an explorable, inexplorable. If you don't know what that word is, I just found out what that word is yesterday. That's why I'm using it. Uh, it, it means, it means unyielding. When I want something, or if I'm on to something, I am perversely unyielding towards it. I cannot be stopped because I believe in something so strong and I'm committed. And it's like, you start at point A, you want to go to point B and you just have to deal with all the BS in the middle. And all the BS is just part of the game, but I know I'm going to point B. So I have this mindset that came about from, from a young age. And I said, you know what, I'm going to prove him wrong. I am not going to need that money. And I'm also going to be taking this opportunity that I thought was ordinary because I thought everybody goes through this. There's other people that have been given up on. I'm gonna help people. I'm gonna help people that go through something like this that have been given up on to show them that they can still be great at what they do or whatever they wanna do and accomplish anything and become unstoppable. And so for 30 some years, I know I'm gonna wrap this up now, 30 some years I've been living off of this, this spark that was lit. And two years ago, I started assessing my life. Like, why am I having success in my life despite what happens to me? That's not the only thing. Obviously, we all go through setbacks, disappointments, discouragements. What is happening that I keep going and being able to advance? Mm-hmm. And I realized I was taking all this stuff instead of storing it in my trunk where it would weigh me down. And I was putting it in my fuel tank where I could convert it into rocket fuel for my future so that I wouldn't just get back to the original position before the setback. I would blast way through it and advance way further in life because I was using it as fuel instead of letting it stop me or slow me down. So okay. that's what I call the rocket fuel law, the rocket fuel book. And I put that in a book to describe it.
1: And I think that's profound, right? Because we've all experienced some sort of a setback and you're right. We're all broken somehow from our childhood. I mean, I'm the product of immigrant parents. You know, they came to a new country with nothing. Somehow, somewhere along the way, I'm sure that I had issues in my life that that I could have done the same thing with, but you didn't. You took that opportunity to rocket fuel yourself to give yourself the impetus to move forward but do you think that you are the type of person that just has that in them um or do you feel like uh, anybody can do
0: it well i think there's degrees of it i think some people do uh have something in them that may have that that tendency so to speak but i don't think it's something that it just you know anyone can't learn i mean i think everybody has the ability to learn this and become aware of it it's a it's a proactive approach to to life. you know, if you're pro- proactively looking for opportunities to advance and understand that if everything goes good, that's boring, one, first of all, that's not really living. right. And to live is to experience everything life has to offer, including which would appear things that were that are negative. And so, so
1: if, if you yeah. if you have somebody so like you know, if somebody's gonna buy your book, right, and they're mm-hmm. gonna go, wow, like, all those things that they should have like a hundred aha moments where they're like oh wow that happened to me and what I could have done with that information or I could have done with that situation i mean the thing the, the things that we can accomplish knowing full well that we don't have to use those experiences as negative and to bring us down we really should use them to bring ourselves forward and propel ourselves to be successful and get rid of those things of hate jealousy anger resentment we you don't resent your parents, they didn't, they were only doing what they thought they should be doing. Am I right about that? Uh,
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, look, I, I choose, you know, I reached out to my dad by my, it's not by my choice. I don't get to talk to him. I would have a beer with him, give him a hug, you know, but, but, and my mom's, you know, I I do see her, but not as often, but I do still, I I still have have a purpose in my life and anything that goes against that purpose, which I know is an ethical purpose, an obligation. It's all people are unstoppable to live in their life and their dreams. But if anything comes in my way or comes, not my way, but that purpose's way, I need to be really conscious of that. And I really need to watch the time that I spend on that, including people. And that goes for family, it goes for friends. And too many people think that's too harsh and they don't practice that. And then what happens is they end up in a life where their dreams are stolen from them. They have no purpose because they can't serve their purpose because they're letting things in that steal from them. So yeah, I don't have any resentment, but I'm very conscious of the, the fact and the time that I spend with people. And, and I'm just being honest with you.
1: I appreciate that. And when we come back, we are going to talk to Mike Searock about what it means to be unstoppable.
0: Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059-The Region or email us. Info at 1059Theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region.
1: Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia. Before the break, we were talking with Mike C. Rock. He is a powerhouse and the mind behind the new book, Rocket Fuel. We are now going to talk to him about what it means to be unstoppable and how to be unstoppable because I know that I want to be unstoppable. So let's go for it.
0: Well, you know, again, it's a, in a, I mentioned this earlier, it's a, a proactive approach. You cannot be in a close proximity to a setback, an adversity or a screw up of your own. And think that you're going to get this concept while you're doing that, because there's too much emotion, too much chaos. If any, you hardly see any light at the end of the tunnel. There's that very little hope. So if you're close in proximity to this, and you're listening to this right now, or somebody reads my book while they're in an adversity, the best thing for them is to get hope. You need to understand that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Nothing lasts forever until you're plucked from this planet. You can get through things. So that's the first thing to understand. Now, when you're not in close proximity to a setback or an adversity, the, the proactive approach is to prepare yourself. There's certain things you need to understand how to prepare myself for adversity. One is understanding the law. The rocket fuel law is real. is And that basically that take anything that you would perceive to be negative or to stop you or slow you down and store it in your tank to convert it into rocket fuel for your future. If you understand that that's the case, it's like driving down the road and your fuel light goes on. And you see that fuel light goes on. You're like, oh man, how many miles? I don't know if you're like me. How many miles can I get out of this before I have to stop? That's but but really what we start doing is we start looking for fuel st- fuel stations, right? This is my life. This is how I teach people. You need to start looking for fuel stations because you're going to need it. Trust me, you're going to need it. You're going to need things to keep pushing and going when, when things get tough. And so proactively preparing and understanding that, but also taking care of your mind, You know, making sure that your mind is in the right place because people around you, there's a thing called an emotional contagion. And it goes both ways, positive and negative. And you wanna be that person that's absorbing positive emotion from people and giving out a positive emotion to people instead of the other way around. So paying attention to your surroundings, uh, your books that you're reading, the, the content that you're absorbing, what is that doing for you? Is it lifting you up and building you towards your purpose and mission to be unstoppable or is it taking you away? It's building or destroying, there's no in between. So paying attention to those things. I like to keep things simple, doctor. I like to make sure that I'm filtering things through my purpose, and it's either positive or negative. And that gets rid of all the chaos that we have in this world. Um, and of course, you know, taking care of your body, drinking plenty of water, working out, eating right, just paying attention to all these things. And it can be overwhelming. I get it. But when things get overwhelming, I always look to grab onto one thing, stabilize one thing, and everything else comes into a stillness around that one thing. But when there's chaos and confusion, which I tell people a lot, because when I go over this stuff, it says, man, it sounds overwhelming. Where do you start? You know, and there's an old saying, eat an elephant one bite at a time. (laughs) Just grab one thing, grab one thing and start there. And you'll notice everything comes into focus.
1: So my practice, I'm a chiropractor. So I have two, two clinics and I treat people physically, but in that, you know, we all know that emotions are connected to your physical well-being, And this kind of ties in with everything that I promote and and advocate for every day. So one of the things that I get in terms of just getting to yourself healthy. So that could be an objective. I mean, that could be the fuel you need to, you know, to get your life going. One of the things that I hear is But then, you know, that trauma keeps coming back and then a situation keeps coming back. How do you deal with that when you still feel like the same thing is on repeat? How do you get rid of that? How do you push beyond that?
0: Stop running from it. Okay. Like like I lean into things. I I talk about this in the book. My family and I on Father's Day, June, 2014, we were in a rollover accident. I had my kids in the car, my wife and my mom. We're coming home from the beach, going to a cookout. Somebody T-bones us. We roll over three times, land on the roof, skidding. I felt the roof coming in and I thought I was going to die. After it was so violent, I thought that, man, there's no way. I didn't want to look back at my kids and my mom back there. There's no way they survived and maybe they're not even in the truck. It was that violent. Never been anything like that in my life. And after that, I obviously, everybody survived. We had some bumps and bruises, some muscle issues. But when I got out of the car and saw everybody was alive, I jumped, I felt like I won the Super Bowl. It's the craziest feeling I ever had. I was so happy. Um, and after that, though, I just wanted to go home and I wanted to lay in the bed with my whole family and just stay in our house in security. I felt so vulnerable and, and, and had lack of control. Like I, it was Father's Day. I was supposed to be protecting my family. And here I couldn't protect them from an accident. And so I just wanted to lay in bed, man. And like get with everybody. And then after that, getting in a car seemed like scary. Like I didn't want to drive down the road because there was oncoming traffic. What if they just, you know, jerk over in front of us? Or what if somebody comes out at an intersection and hits me again? And all these thoughts. And not to mention flying. I loved to fly before. Then I couldn't even fly because I was so scared. I, I didn't have control of the plane, which I never had control of the plane. So then what I th- said to myself is, I'm not living this way. There is no way in hell I'm going to live my life this way. I'm responsible for the way I live my life. I'm gonna be in control because the, to the degree that you give up responsibility, you give up control. So I started taking responsibility and I started leaning into things. I started facing it. I started reliving it on purpose. Not when it came up on its own, not when the, 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 the trauma decided to come up upon me at an unexpected time and bother me and control me. I started thinking about the trauma and taking it to the trauma. So when I think about abuse, when I think about trauma, when I think about anything, I lean into it. I run towards it. And what happens is it discharges it. And if you do that enough, it discharges it. It does not own you anymore. And then I take that sucker and I place it somewhere. And I say, you sit there until I tell you. <laughs> so, and it works. And, and I, you know, so I started flying all over the place. I would fly on purpose, like just just for the heck of it to go somewhere. I would drive all over the place. I wouldn't be afraid to, you know, I just, I just did, did it more. And that works for everything. It works for exercising. If you hate exercising, if you hate doing burpees, for example, this is an example I had. I hated doing burpees, man. And mm-hmm. I was just like, man, this is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, wor- it works your whole body when you do a burpee, mm-hmm. you know, you do a drop down and get back up. And so I started doing them more. And what do you know? I became the like the the, the person in our gym and in our, in our CrossFit thing that was doing more than anybody in a minute, you know, like I lean into it. So I would recommend take control of your life, take responsibility, and you be the determining factor when that trauma decides to come into your mind.
1: So basically, you're asking us to face our fears and just not be fearful of the fear, just work through the fear.
0: Yeah, attack that son of a gun. (laughs) I don't want to work through nothing. Now, you can say, but like, you got to get this intensity about you. Like, I have the control, right? I am the one, not you. You're not going to rule over me. And And that's just an attitude switch. And once you start doing it, you build confidence with it and you see the results from it.
1: So you talk about gratitude a lot, and you actually talked about it at the beginning of this show. And I do agree with you. I think that gratitude is always a great place to start anything that you're trying to do, right? So tell me why that's so important to you.
0: You know, I think that for me, when I wake up, I'd say thank you is the first thing I do. Thank you for another opportunity to impact this planet. Because we never know when we're going to go. You know, we just don't. And You know, so then from there I go down and this is, this sounds corny, but I wiggle my fingers and toes say, man, I have hands. How many times throughout a day do we go through a day and not even look at our arm and hand and realize, man, I have an arm and hand (laughs) two of them. Right. Right. There's days that I know that I've gone in my life where I have looked and I'm like, man, I don't, uh, I didn't look at my legs today. Like (laughs) pay attention to things. And so to me, it gives one, it gets rid of anything to complain about. Because when you realize what you really have now, i just talked to a guy on clubhouse the other day, he was blown up in Iraq. He didn't have any more hands. Didn't have any feet. Quadru- quadruple uh, amputee. And he is a motivational speaker now. And he's great, grateful. And he's grad, you know, practices gratitude all the time for his life that he lives. And, and I had to talk with him. I said, I tell people about wiggling my fingers and toes every day because I want to pay attention to those things because I had them. And people think that's kind of corny sometimes, but here I'm talking to him, and he he lost his. So for me, it shows me what I have. Paying attention to that and using the things that I have, and then really look. We came into this world butt naked, most of us, <laughs> crying, no money, no no nothing, and we made it. And so I always think to myself, if I have to go back to that, I don't, know if, don't don't take this mental image here. But if I had to be butt naked <laughs> with nothing, at least I know how to talk now. I yeah. know how all the stuff that's in my brain, my education my attitude, my effort. I mean, I have all that. So man, I'm going to be ahead of the game.
1: And so I think one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because I admire your success. I really admire your drive. And I feel like we should all have a little bit of that in us. And I think most people do. But once again, we're all afraid to face it. I'm not fearless, but I'm just a doer. I get the job done. I mean, I went from practicing on patients all day, every day to now working for radio and doing this and loving every single minute of it. But I also feel like I learned to enjoy a challenge. So when you started out in your industry, how did you know that you wanted to really just change people? Because you use that word a lot. You want to make an impact on this planet. And by doing that, you're going to change humanity.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, When I was a young kid, three or four years old, my mom used to tell me how inspiring I was to her and that I was going to be a leader. And I don't know if she knew what she was doing or she was just saying whatever. My mom, we call her crazy. My mom, she's she's. (laughs) She just says what's ever on her mind. She doesn't have any filter. She has a good time most of the time. She has dealt with depression and anxiety in her life growing up from issues. But she, she she, just says whatever she wants. So I don't know if she meant to do that. I'll give her credit and say she did. But mm-hmm. I, I some tend to believe that she was just saying what was on her mind. And it programmed me and it imprinted me. And then I, maybe she was preparing me subconsciously for all the stuff that I was about to deal with. Mm-hmm. But at three or four years old, I would hear this. So from there, I felt like I was always going for that purpose. Like everything has to be per. You know, serving this purpose of uh, uh, being a leader, being inspiring to people, and so then, you know, because look, her mom committed suicide, right? She had addiction to prescription pills, like anti-anxiety pills and and antidepressants. You know, some of my uncles had issues. One of my uncles had an alcohol problem. You know, Um, and I was going to be around these folks, so maybe she was subconsciously preparing me for that. And so I was always around them, and I was always trying to fix people. I was always trying to say, you know what? I'm not okay with the way things are. I'm not going to buy your bull. Like the reasons that you're doing these things, you're telling me, I'm not going to buy it. You can buy it, but I'm not going to buy it. And I would try to help people, even, including my grandmother. And I talk about this in the book too. My grandmother committed suicide once I went off to college and I wasn't around her as much. And I felt, I felt a little bit guilty for a little bit because I felt like when I was around, I could talk to her and counsel her and made her feel better. And, um, you know, I, I know that that's not the right feeling to have, but um, you know, so yeah, I think that that's the purpose I've always served. Now, I will tell you, doctor, that I try to help people often when I was younger that didn't want help or didn't believe help was a good thing. And, and a lot of times they would start to resent you for that. So I really got interested in, okay, how do I figure out how to get people interested and understand to want help? That help right. does not make you less valuable, less important. It actually makes you stronger. And so I, you know, I just, dove into that. And I started really studying how I can do that and how I can start really getting into people's heads.
1: So I tend to be a very positive person, regardless of what's going on. And because I'm, I'm like you in many ways in that I believe in just being grateful and having gratitude, but not everybody feels the same way. So when you are around somebody who's maybe not as positive and who's dragging you down, because I have to make a conscious effort to, to change my thought process around those people who are dragging you down. What is your tip for those of us who want to help others and, uh, and are around people who may not necessarily want to be helped or know how to accept the help that we're giving?
0: So I get in discussion and communication with them about help. You know, so how do you develop a communication or lines of communication with someone? Well, you get them talking about something. So, you know, I might say, you know, do you want help? They say, no. Okay, well, when's the last time you were helped or you helped someone? And that question gets them talking and gets some thinking. Instead of thinking, I don't want help, they start thinking, well, when is the last time I helped someone or, or received help? And then I'm in communication with them. That opens a dialogue. Once I'm open communication, they have to be interested in what I'm saying because we're in communication now. Communication is a two-way street, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. It works. And then we start talking about different things in regards to um, how, how we can help each other. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's a phenomenal little gate opener. Now, I am very, very clear with people about the fact that I understand that emotions are contagious and I'm not going to let people's emotions come to, come my way. And it's funny how things work because if somebody is higher emotion and they're negative and their emotions higher and their passion of that is higher, it will be contagious to the person that is positive. Mm-hmm. The positive person that has more emotion and they're more passionate about being positive, it will be contagious over to the to the negative person, but negative wins a lot of times. So I'm very conscious of that. And I, I express that to people. If I notice that they're off a little bit, might, might throw a little thing like, hey, what's going on? It just seemed like you're off a little bit.
1: So but- I'm gonna ask you the question that I get asked all the time because I'm always generally very positive, but do you ever have days where you're not feeling it and you're kind of like, you know, tired, or maybe just like not into it as much as you are today, for example, because that happens to me. And I always tell people that it's normal not to be a hundred percent on your game every day. And when I feel like that, I take a step back and I analyze what exactly is going on.
0: Yeah. So, uh if you didn't have those days, you wouldn't have life. Like there's light and there's dark. There's good, there's bad, right? There's fast, there's slow. Everything has an opposite, right? And so you can't you can't be feeling great all the time because it wouldn't be great. It's There's no contract, contrast to anything, right? So yeah, that's normal. And then what I do is I make sure I, I'm clear on my purpose. If I'm clear on my purpose, remember my point B that I'm going to, if I'm very clear on that and I know I'm gonna get there, I believe before I actually see it, then I know I have to go through these different things, and it's just a matter of getting through them and taking as much as I can, and converting it into fuel. And remembering—it's so important, doctor. Remembering the times you feel like that, so that you can appreciate the times that you don't. And you know that's that's so important to me.
1: And it sounds like you're on the right track, because it sounds like everything you're doing is amazing. And I cannot wait to get this book. But if listeners want to learn more about you, want to get your book, want to follow you on social media, how can they do that?
0: Yeah, the best way. Instagram is the best way to like follow me uh, at Mikey M I K U I C R O C Mikey Searock. C-R-O-C, and then the book right now is getting ready to be uploaded to Amazon. Any day now, I'm just waiting for my team to take care of that. I don't I don't handle that part of it. But if they want to get it pre-ordered early, it's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. MikeCrock.com forward slash book.
1: And what about, can they follow you on social media, on Instagram?
0: Yes, follow me, Mikey MikeyCrock. That's with a Y, MikeyCrock. And guys, by the way, this is something new that's coming out. I got into the tech world. I started a tech company. I co-founded it with my partner, Jared, and some other buddies of mine. And it is called Blueprinted. It is, and it's OO, blue printed. It's a new app. We're going to be launching very soon. So please follow me. You're going to want to be involved with this. This is a disruptive product like I've never seen before.
1: I can't wait. I was on Instagram the other day and I came across your Instagram live. So I'm excited. I'm going to be promoting it on the show as well. Thank and you. I can't wait to hear, to get your book. I'm going to be the first one to pre-order it. And, uh, and that's it. And if listeners want to reach me, they can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Machiela. You have to follow me also. Or you can go to my website, ClaudiaMacchiella.com. That's our show for this week. For previous broadcasts of The Wellness Prescription, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thank you for listening.
0: The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at healthyplanetcanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.